We're in a three, uh, four-part series, and uh, this is part three, uh, called The Conflict. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, The Conflict? Tell them, say, The Conflict. Now, I want to warn you, if you're visiting with us today, you found us in the middle of a moment where Pastor Adam McCain, i.e. me, uh, is in a, on a journey point to raise our church to the next level. And what I mean by that is I want to see our members become the men and women of God they're supposed to be. So today's teachings a little deeper. I would te- typically teach these teachings in a leadership class um, in places that I teach around the world and not normally in a general congregation. I just believe that every person in this room, no matter what their age or their spiritual experience is, is ready to go to the next level. If that's you, say yes. And so if you don't mind, if, if I'm boring, you just hold on i won't talk too long about six hours but i'll get through it as quickly as i can but i think every one of you will walk out of this place not just uh, ready to fight the enemy but empowered to overcome the enemy so we started this series if i could just preview for just a moment or review excuse me we started this series on the basis of conflict that there are two entities at work in the world today there is the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light there's not democrats and republicans the problem really boils down not to communism or or, or free democracy. What we're talking about is two entities that are clear throughout Scripture. The kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. The kingdom of our God, Jesus Christ, and the kingdom of Satan and all of his demonic powers. And the result of those two being active on the earth today means that there's going to be conflict constantly as the enemies desire to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus' goal to come that you may have life and life more abundantly. And all of this is over the lost souls and the destiny of humanity and these conflicts are happening over and over again so maybe you've been asking yourself over the last couple of weeks as you've watched the news what possesses a person to take all these weaponry and go kill innocent people I can tell you what's possessing it's the demonic forces that are active and pushing forward and according to even what we studied the first week Jesus qualified that it's only going to intensify that in the last days many will fall away from from the faith. Many will follow deceiving teachings and there'll be many false prophets and many false teachers and that the increase of wickedness would abound and cause many Christians to fall away from God. And so with that being said, it is my assignment from heaven. It is my duty from the Lord to take you from wherever you're at in your Christian world and try to get you engaged into this conflict so that you'll stop being bullied and stop being pushed around. Come on, somebody. And so that you can rise up. And so today, uh, excuse me, Last week, we talked about defending ourselves. and a posture of defending ourselves, we went through the whole armor of God. We talked about the preparation that it takes, knowing that you're going to be attacked. Listen, it's just a matter of time. If you go to this church and nobody's offended you yet, just keep coming. We're going to get you eventually. Just a matter of time before someone being used by the enemy, whether they meant to or not, is going to affect your life. And you're going to be offended, agitated, aggravated. And you've got to learn how to defend yourself against those things. Are you with me? Say yes. And as a result, you and I have to walk uprightly before the Lord and push the kingdom of heaven forward forward instead of allowing it to be pushed backwards. And so we must engage. And the first week I asked all of you to sign up for this warfare and you said, yes, I'm signing up and I'm so grateful. So now that you've done that, you probably had more nightmares. Your cards probably broke down 25 more times than normal. You probably have people stealing your money. Since we started into this, my credit cards have been, uh, my credit card got at Walmart in my pocket, swiped it at the gas pump, got back in my car and somehow someone digitally stole my credit card number from that transaction and spent within within a matter of hours hundreds and hundreds of dollars. My cars have broke down. My motorcycle.
motorcycles broke down. Come on, Jesus, but my feet are still working. Hallelujah. Sorry. Went a little old school on you. Because why? Because I have stirred myself and hopefully stirred you into this engagement that's inevitable whether you want to or not. And then today, we're going to move into offensive and working against the enemy and pushing the kingdom of heaven forward. You know, if you've been watching any of these football games, the worst thing in the world is two teams that all they do is play defense and they have no offense. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's why I love you guys who love soccer, but I can't stand it. I can't stand soccer. No, 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 oh, they got blocked. No, 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 they missed again. It's like, my God, somebody score. If it was up to me, I'd make it like three times bigger so everybody gets to score a bunch. It'd be like 40 points, you know, 41 versus, you know, one uh, beat 42. I mean, that, I mean, 42 beat 41. I would like to see a lot more scores. Because why? Because we all enjoy when there's an offensive, when there's something offensive that moves forward when the objective is met. And that's what we're going to work on today. Are you still there? Say yes. Come on, do you still love me? Say yes, I love you. A very drunk patron at the local bar was trying to impress everyone with his fighting ability, fresh out of the military. He said, I'm trained in hand-to-hand combat, and every hand-to-hand combat there is. He says, and further to prove the point, he walks up to Boudreaux, who's sitting there drinking a beer, and all of a sudden, he goes, hurrah, karate chop from China. Hits him on the back of the neck, and man, Boudreaux falls to the ground. Boudreaux gets back up, sits back down, starts sipping his beer again. All of a sudden, the guy reaches back again and goes, Wah, judo from Japan, wapow, and knocks him down on the ground again. After a couple minutes, Boudreaux gets up and sits, sits back up at the bar stool. And then all of a sudden, this guy grabs him and goes, and he does this paralyzing little pinch move. And he goes, that's the nerve pinch from Korea. Boudreaux sat there frozen. And all of a sudden, his body parts came back to their senses. Boudreaux just quietly gets up off the floor and walks out. About 10 minutes later, he comes back carrying a board. The guy doesn't see him. He walks up behind him and hits him in the back of the head with the board with everything he got. Wow, pow! The guy falls over on the floor, and Boudreaux stands over him and says, Two by four from Home Depot. My goal today is for you and me to stop being bullied and knocked around by the enemy. And I'm, my goal is to put some two-by-fours in your hand. And by the end of this week, you're staring down at the devil and go, I thought so. I don't think you want any more of this, do you? There you go. I tried to play defense. I tried to leave you alone. But you kept messing with my kids. Come on. You kept messing with my finances. And I just finally had to pull out the big old board and whack you one good time. That's my goal today. Is that all right? Say yes. Come on. Do you love Jesus? Say yes. Yeah, listen, I I just got to be honest. I am so distraught. I'm just so agitated and aggravated that so many of you have been bullied. That the enemy has literally, you're still walking in depression. You've been overwhelmed with perversion and agitation and anger is still just stirring in you. And you've been pushed and shoved by the enemy. I'm just so frustrated about that. And I'm just ready to take him to the woodshed, as the old folks used to say. And I'm ready to raise up a group of men and women who will stop getting their face beat in and start rising up and knocking the devil down. Are you with me with that? Can we? So let's start into this and let's look at some real powerful passages. Our key scripture today is Colossians 2 and 15. You'll find it on the screens if you don't have a Bible with you. Colossians 2 and verse 15. And look what it says. It says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, talking about Jesus, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, and having disarmed the powers and having disarmed, are you there? The powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. 
Now, do you understand what this says? Let me help you for you guys that don't really get it. Jesus Christ did what the enemy didn't realize he was doing. By dying and resurrecting on a cross, he disarmed them of all the power and strength that they had because of what he did on the cross. In World War II, we were in this major, it's the only world war of its, of its, uh, of, of its participation. There's never been a war like it before and hasn't been one since where the allies and the axes and Germany, Japan, and Italy versus the allied forces predominantly, you know, of, of England and, and, uh, and Russia and the United States. And, and so we got to the place in World War II where, uh, where obviously the Japanese, uh, you know, Pearl Harbor and what they did there, bombing uh, the bulk of our, our naval forces were destroyed there, crippling us. And really causing great havoc on us. At the same time, Russia had fought back through, and, and Germany and us, uh, we had gotten Germany surrender, but the Japanese wouldn't surrender. And after what they did to us at Pearl Harbor, the United States dropped the, the bomb on Hiroshima, the atomic bomb, first time it had ever been uh, uh, you know, blown up on people. And uh, it was so devastating what happened there that Japan finally said, We surrender. They said, We surrender. And then what happened is, maybe you've seen the pictures, I don't think any of you were old enough, none of you in this room were ever old enough to even know about that, you've only read about it and saw it on PBS. But for some of you that were there during that time frame, you'll remember that MacArthur was sitting there on that, uh, on that battleship signing their surrender with them as the Japanese, uh, you know, uh, sat there and, 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 and surrendered. What then commits to happening for the next couple years is MacArthur, along with the group of our military personnel began to disarm, began to disarm the Japanese. They began to take their arms. Their, all of their military powers were stripped from them. And even today, you know, I visit Japan frequently and minister and preach there. They are a disarmed foe. They're no longer a foe. They're now an ally. And we, as a result, protect them and watch over them. But even when I was in Japan, I'll never forget, just none of, there's, no, there's no military force. They had their local police. But even them, they're, they're, not, they're not packing guns like, you know, they don't pop open their trunk with an AK-47, you know, like our, mili- like our police do. And so I'll never forget, I was at like a Circle K, and, and there was this giant orange ball right next to the cash. This giant ball, like a giant gumball or something. And so, you know, if, if you know me, I, I'm just going to ask what that is. If it interests me, I'm going to ask about it. So I was like, hey, what is that? And so he said, I don't know. I said, well, ask her. He said, and like, I was like, what'd she say? He said, that's a paintball. I said, well, that's obvious. What's she going to do with a paintball? I mean, it's, it's bigger than a softball. Uh, and, and, and he said, oh, I don't, I don't know what she's going to Well, ask her. And the back and forth, right? And all of a sudden he goes, I said, what did she say? He said, uh, well, if someone tries to rob them, she's going to throw the paintball at them, and that way they know which one it was. I was like, man. I, I said, that ain't how it works in Texas, baby. <laughs> Go ahead and try to steal that gun. Go ahead. Go ahead. Try to get some gum. I got you, you know. I, mean, I just thought that was the funniest thing. I, uh, Hit them with a paintball as they're running out, you know. And so, but that, that's because they are, a, they are a disarmed country. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. This scripture says that Jesus disarmed Satan and all of his powers, all authorities. and He disarmed them. Do you understand what that means? What that means is all of the fear, doubt, unbelief, insecurity, perversion, pride, anger, all of that that you're being affected by, the fact that things are happening that make no sense in your family, the, thing, the fact that you're struggling to make it to the end, and all of these forces of evil seem to be at work against you. Friend, they've already been disarmed. They've already been disarmed. 
When, when we don't, you don't think about Japan these days. When you think about all the enemies of, of the United States, you don't, Japan never crosses your mind. Why? Because we disarmed them. They're now an ally. Jesus disarmed. They are no longer a threat. Satan is no longer a threat. And I want to give you three little pieces that that means in this scripture. We'll go back to the first piece. And that is Jesus disarmed every wicked power. The reason why this is critical, because if you don't get your doctrine and your theology straight, then what will happen is you will be so messed up and you'll be living your life practically in a way that doesn't work. Jesus disarmed every principality. They're disarmed. So guess what? Anger doesn't really have power over you anymore. Guess what? You don't have to be a pervert anymore. It's been disarmed. It's been disarmed. You say, well, if it's been disarmed, why then am I having these struggles? Because most Christians do not realize that the enemy's been disarmed, but we allow them to continue manipulating us and acting like they got some kind of power that they really don't have. We're the ones with the arms. I've seen that footage of literally the the soldiers, the German soldiers, with one guy and 300 uh, Israelis putting them on on, on cars, on trains, and there's only like one for every one soldier with a gun for every 300 people without guns. And the power that they wielded over them by just having a weapon. Friend, they don't have that power. There's no bullets in the gun. There's, rise up and say, no, you will not destroy me anymore. I will not die of cancer. Cancer has no power. It's been disarmed. Either the scriptures are true or they're not. And so my goal today is for you to go, "Uh aha, Whoa, my goal today is to build your faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, it says. It's impossible. So we must trust that the word is accurate and the enemies of God have been disarmed. Jesus disarmed every wicked power. Here's the second piece. And if that means he now has become the authority. The Ohio State the Jesus Christ, the authority of all authorities. Everything has been placed under his feet. Look at Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Verse 10. And you have been given fullness in Christ, stay with me, who is the head over every power and authority. Over, it's not, listen, this is not talking about Jesus as the head of the Romans. Their swords did not just start floating in the air once Jesus died and resurrected. He didn't depower or disarm. He didn't disarm the Greeks and the Romans. He disarmed the princes of darkness, the wicked powers in heavenly places, the authorities and the rulers over spiritual realms. He disarmed them. That's what it's talking about. And then here in this piece, it says literally, he is the authority. If If you get this, it's going to change your life. Here's the problem that I have with most Christians who's trying to help you grow and help you be somebody of maturity and have you have success in life and your Christian walk is that you don't know who you are. I'll give you an example. If Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I'm his son, come on, then I am empowered with his power, which is what the scriptures teach In fact, it says, I'm seated with him in heavenly realms. All authorities are under his feet, therefore they're under my feet. feet. So it's under me. Come on. You say, oh, that's just good preaching. Hallelujah. No, no, I don't want to preach to you. I want you to get a revelation of truth. Let me give you an example. 
So when I was a young man, uh, we, won't, we were not poor. We were po, and there's a difference, and only those who've been po know the difference between poor and po. Come on, somebody. There's a couple giggles. I'm, I'm with you. Come on. And so I had this experience where I ended up, because I was such a young man who loved the Lord, I had, such an ex- I had this family in our church who were the richest people in our city, probably. I mean, they were so wealthy, and they had this child late in life. So the dad was about 80, and this kid was about 15. At 15, they bought him, you know, in those days, you could get your driver's license at 15. They bought him the hottest vehicle. It wasn't a Porsche. It wasn't a Lamborghini. But the hottest vehicle that every young person wanted in 1984 was a Mustang GT. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? And and, and they bought this kid a candy apple red one with all the fixings, as the country folks say. It had everything you can imagine on this thing. He wrecked it within three days. And then guess what they did? They went and got him another one. When we would, when I would, and they wanted me to be his friend because they were thinking maybe since Adam's a man of God and he loves Jesus, maybe that'll rub off on our wicked son. (laughs) And so they were like, yeah, would you come over? And they would always have me come over and stuff like that. And I'll never forget going to the mall with him. I would go into a, to the mall um, and look at stores and kind of window shop. And, you know, the little girl would walk up. Is, it, is, it, is there anything I can help you with? No, no, I'm okay. Because I know I don't have any money because I'm Poe. He, on the other hand, walks into a room like this. Hey, that looks really nice. Hey, excuse me. Can you go get me that in a size such and such? What color are you want? I want all the colors. Oh, okay. They all run around. Do you want to try it? I don't know. If it didn't fit, you know, I'll, I'll just give it to somebody. All right, what about this? How much are these? And he would walk in and out of stores as though he owned the place. Are you with me? That's because he had a revelation of who his daddy was. You and me struggle because we still think we're poor. And until you get a revelation of who he is, you then can't even understand who you are. But once you understand... He's the king of glory. There is nothing that is not under his feet. I am his son. You are his son, his daughter. We are his. And they've been disarmed. And so how dare us allow them to intimidate us from being who we're called to be? When you get that revelation, I won't have to beg you to keep your marriage together. I, you won't have to be saying, oh, Pastor, just pray. Just pray so hard. You know, it's just so hard. I work with this guy. He is a devil. And I almost stabbed him with a pencil in his eye <laughs> yesterday. Th- that's not knowing who you are. And that's not knowing whose you are. And that's not knowing that they've already been disarmed. And that not only that, but bless, bless his little heart. See, that, that boss, bless his little heart. He has no idea that he is overseeing a child of the living God. And if he mishandles that, he's not become my enemy. He's become the enemy of God. And when you become an enemy of God, there is nothing that can save you, my friend. And so you can just smile and say, ooh, God bless you. Do you know who I am? I wouldn't mess with me. I'm just saying. I wouldn't. I'm just saying. I love you. But I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. You're going to end up dead. Does your dad work for the mafia? Nope. (laughs) Nope. Here's the third piece that I want you to understand, and that is this. 
The only thing a disarmed enemy can do to you is manipulate you. Man, I tell you what, I hate to be political, but I, Ben Carson, he, wow. I just, yeah, listen, I'm not asking you to pick, I'm not, I just was impressed with his statement about that, about disarmament. And that, I just was really impressed, and I'll tell you why, because it had a lot more, it wasn't political, it was, it was forethought. It was, it was, it, there was truth in it. When you take the weapons away from somebody, then it's very hard for them to defend themselves. If the enemy's been stripped of his weapons, then why are we constantly playing defense? See, all he can do is manipulate you. All he can do is say to you, see, he don't love you. See, he's cheating on you. Yeah, he is. I bet he is. What? You all insecure? It must be because I got some more weight than I didn't mean to. Next thing you know, you're starving yourself because manipulation. Instead of saying, wait a minute. Hold up. I'm fine. <laughs> you're the devil. My man loves me. And if he don't, I'm going to cast the devil out of him until he does. Every night, I'm going to lay hands on his pillow. I'm going to lay hands on his pillow. Oh, Lord. Sick him, Jesus. Just get him. All through the night, Lord. Just get him. The, again, to the last piece of that is, is that is that the only thing a disarmed enemy can do is manipulate. So the next question is, who's our enemy? Who are we really fighting? If you've been around our church for any length of time, you've heard me say this about a thousand times, but for those of you that are newer to us, you need to learn this point. And this is out of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. So we do not wrestle... Some of you do not wrestle. That's the problem. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And so the problem is not your spouse. Listen, young adult, it's not your mom and dad. It's really, they're really not the problem. There are two forces that are colliding with each other. There is a force of evil. There is a demonic horde with all of its world systems that it's put in place. And there is the kingdom of God and all that God has put in place and his representatives. And as a result, those two are at conflict with each other. And we, little old humanity, are caught in the middle of that many times. Because we won't make a decision, I'm for Jesus. I'm for Jesus, and no matter what, I'm going to live it the way he said it in the scriptures. We're trying to do both. We're trying to make this group happy and make Jesus happy and fulfill our flesh over here. And, 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 and I'm going to get you, sucker. You, you, look, I dare you to pull out in front of me again. See, that's that system. That's that system. Whereas Jesus says, forgive and let loose and, and let it go. Joyce Myers, I was listening to her not so long ago, and she talked about her father who molested her, sexually assaulted her when she was a child. And how she became a Christian. He never would become a Christian. And how she was obviously disconnected from him because of the wickedness that he did to her. They caught, and her mom letting that happen and all the conflict that transpired in their family as a result of it. And she was talking about how after years later getting free and getting delivered and forgiving him, he's never once, even when she sat down with him, never said he was sorry. Never once repented for his actions. I can tell you what motivated him to do that. The demons and the forces of evil from this kingdom. And so, because what, what causes a man to do that to their little girl? 
That's the forces of evil. And so what happens is she tells the story that the Lord began to work on her and say, you know what? They're getting old in age. Nobody can take care of them. I want you to move them and let them live with you. She said, I bind the devil in the name of Jesus. And the Lord kept working on her. He said, because I want to do something in you and I want to do something in him. She said, Lord, I've already, I've already forgave him. I, I, we don't need to worry about this. The Lord says, no, I want to do something to him. I want to do something in you. So they moved him close to them, just next door. I don't think they actually moved him in the house. She tells the story. And she said, uh, she said that uh, after about a year of serving them and, and helping them, she said one day he came over and they were sitting there and he began to weep uncontrollably. He said, I don't know why I did what I did. I'm so embarrassed. I've been so humiliated. And for years I wanted to tell you I was sorry. I wanted to repent, but it never seemed good enough. It never seemed like it would work. And they began to sit there and they began to weep together because get what was happening. The forces of evil that had held him bound were now releasing up off of him because she showed kindness, which is what the Bible teaches. And in that kindness, those demonic powers are breaking off him and he can't get away from it because he lives next door now because she's over there day in and day out loving on him and forgiving him and walking in that forgiveness. And it heaped coals, as the Bible says, heaped coals on his head until he just couldn't take it anymore and the demons couldn't hold him anymore. And he finally said, I'm sorry. And Bam! There was an explosion in the spirit realm. They loved and forgave each other. And he, in that moment, she led him in the sinner's prayer, and he became a Christian. And just months later, died. But he's in heaven with Jesus after having almost missed that moment. Do you see the two kingdoms and the way they operate are totally different? And so you're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Now, here's the problem. Most Christians don't wrestle. We want to snipe the devil. I want to go to church and I want him to get off my back. Pow! I want to get touching on any problems. It's interesting that the scripture you use wrestling. Because wrestling is a hand-to-hand form of combat. It's nitty-gritty. It's touching. It's, it's kicking. It's, I mean, wrestling that they're talking about, the way the Romans would do it, it's to the, it's to the death. That means all the other weapons have been, have been uh, discarded and we are doing hand-to-hand and everything's legal when it's to the death. Kicking, spitting, scratching choking out everything so you picture MMA and the way those guys go about it and trying to literally anything I can do to kill you and that's the concept that the scripture says for we wrestle not against our friends our neighbors our enemies our physical uh, co-workers but we wrestle against the demonic forces that are pushing them and shoving them and motivating them and maneuvering them and so we wrestle with them I mean it's a combative concept and so with that being said, I want to teach you the three, excuse me, the four ways that I see in Scripture that we really are supposed to be wrestling. What are we supposed to be doing? People ask me, what do I do? What do I do? Well, let me show you what they did in Scripture, what Jesus did, and what he expects of us. So are you with me? Say yes. All right, first, and, first piece, and piece on how do we go about fighting the mnemonic forces. Number one is that you need to fight it from a position of authority and confidence in his power. This is huge. This, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to rock your theology if you'll stay with me. From a position of authority and confidence in his power. We already talked about this, but let me put it in perspective. So, well, let me quote the scripture real quick that references that. So Colossians 2, 9, and 10. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. We're quoting it again. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Here's the problem. In the 80s, you might have would have called this teaching spiritual warfare. 
In the 80s and the 90s, those of you that were in churches in those days and you heard spiritual warfare teachings and you have that in your system, then what you were taught was that, you know what, we got to bind the devil. You got to bind him up, cast him out, hallelujah. And you yell at him until he lets go in the name of, hey! And you just go after it. And the problem with that was after about six months of binding the same devil, he seemed like he was still advancing. Are you with me? It's because of our positioning. Because we've got to try, we, excuse me, we've got, we, we, we've got to do all kinds of crazy things. I didn't get out of redneck and come back to, to real life. What happened was we were so busy doing that we stopped abiding. Get the revelation. We were so busy fighting the devil ourselves that we stopped abiding in Christ. And so it became our own strength. So guess what? It became our own problem. And so some of us experience, like the, 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 the sons of Sceva, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? Where the demons whooped those boys and beat them, and they let, ran out of the house naked and bruised and bleeding because they tried to cast demons out of this guy because they, were in, they weren't in position with Jesus. Yeah. See, I'm abiding in Christ. I don't have to fight. Listen, I don't, I don't live in stress and turmoil. I have stressful, horrible, demonic things that happen in my life all the time, but I don't live under their rule, their intimidation. I am abiding with Christ. I'm in him. Jesus, you are Lord. You got this, Daddy. And if you need me, call on me right now, Lord. I'm just giving that to you. I'm abiding in you. I'm wrestling, yes, but I'm not wrestling with God. God, you go first. You walk on in there. It's kind of like that's my, that's my favorite scene in, in, in the whole, you know, uh, Lion King. And my whole favorite scene is when the little lion is there and the hyena is about to get him and he's all nervous and he finally gets backed up in the corner and they're like, ah, and they're doing all that. And all of a sudden he goes to roar at him and he's, and he's like, wow. And not realizing that daddy has walked up. Come on, somebody. Daddy has come in and, uh, and they're like, oh, Mufasa. Oh, so sorry. And, and, and you know, like, ooh, Mufasa, say it again, say it again. I mean, it freaks I mean, daddy is on my side. I'm on daddy's side. I'm abiding with him. And so if I start from that position, then it's not this physical, spiritual, overwhelming. And that's what you saw in the 80s and the 90s. All these spiritual people trying to be spiritual and fighting demons. And look, they're looking for demons and everything. I see it. I see it right there in you. I see it. You got about six pounds more than you should. It's a devil of overweightness. I'm going to cast Wendy's out of you right now. Come out of him, Wendy's. You know, and they just... Because why? Because they were trying to do it in their own strength instead of just abiding in Jesus. I don't have to go looking for demons. They're looking for me. Come on now. I don't, I, don't have to, I don't have to go, you know, I don't have to get myself in a tizzy over it. I can just abide in Jesus. And if you will just realize your position of authority and confidence and work from that, that's the starting point. You do not want to go into a battle. You do not want to go into a confrontation without knowing who you are in Christ. And whose you are. And so it's from that position that I say, go. I don't have to yell at you. I don't have to scream at you. You just need to stop. Because who my daddy is. Oh, you don't want to listen? Daddy! Daddy! Come on, you ever did that when you was a kid? (laughs) You did with your little sister every time she messed with me. Daddy! Here's the second piece. You still there? Say yes. You still love me? Number two, apply the word of God. You have to apply the Word of God. Notice the verbiage. Apply the Word of God. Not read the Bible. You have to apply it. Medication is no good. Guns 
Holding them up in the air are no good if they don't have bullets and you're not shooting something. You have to apply the word of God. So Jesus comes into his ministry. He's water baptized. John, the age of 30, comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit comes and lights upon him. Find this in the book of Matthew chapter 4. Holy Spirit comes and lands upon him. A voice out of heaven, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And this says the Holy Spirit leads Jesus out into the wilderness. Out in the middle of nowhere, by himself. For 40 days, he fasted. Didn't eat a thing. And on the 40th day, Satan himself, Lucifer himself, the top dog, the king of the prince of air, wickedness, comes and begins to attempt him. And guess what he does? He takes scripture and he twists it. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. No, 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 that's not accurate. The Bible actually says this. No, 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 no. No, I'm, I'm not a loser. God says I'm the head and not the tail. I, I might have sinned, I might have messed up, but Jesus says his grace, is, his mercies are renewed every morning, and I hold to that. See, if you don't know that, then what will happen is he will bombard you, bombard you, bombard you. Next thing you know, we'll look up six months from now, you won't be in this church, you won't be going to any church. You talk about how you used to go to church, but it just didn't work for you. Why? Because you allowed the enemy to bombard, 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 and you never took authority over it, and never said, nope, no, that's not what the Bible says. Let me apply the word of God to this situation. When I was, I grew up, I didn't grow up a Christian. And we were wicked. And part of growing up the way I grew up is that I was a pervert. I loved girls. I loved lots of girls. I just thought they were magnificent. I thought they were beautiful. And I thought they all should be naked all the time. That's just, that I, was, I was a lost young man. And I get saved and I get baptized in the Holy Spirit and have the power of God flowing in me. And I would love to say that I no longer had any of those images in my mind, any of those thoughts in my mind, but it just wasn't so. I'll never forget sitting in Bible school and just tormented. Lord, how can I be a minister? How can I be, if I got all these thoughts in my head and I can't get rid of these things. And I'll never forget the Lord said, stupid, hey, dummy. The word of God, washing of your mind by the cleansing of the word. My son defeated every force of evil with the word by applying it. I was like, well, I read the Bible. Why ain't it fixing me? The Lord said, apply the word as necessary. The Lord was like, he was like, listen, you, you, you got a knife and you brought it to a bazooka fight, son. You got the wrong thing happening here. So I went through and I found every scripture on purity and on perversion. I found Job 31, 31, 33, uh, 31, 3. I made a covenant with my eyes. I'll not look lustfully upon a woman. I found 2 Timothy Flee youthful lust. And I went all down through every scripture I could, and I wrote them on three by five cards. I had a stack of them about that big. And man, listen, every night before I go to bed, I go through them, and then I go stick them on my mirror. So when I woke up and I'm brushing my teeth in the morning, I'm going through, I'm like, I apply the word of God. I like right now. And I just went from card to card, scripture to scripture, and I just kept applying it, kept applying it, kept applying it. I mean, listen, I'd be sitting in worship, and there'd be some little gal, you know, who hadn't quite got sanctified yet, and she's buying her skirts way too tight, and a little shirt, and she's in Bible school, because she can't leave Bible school without a man, so she's showing off all the packaging, and I'm telling you, I'm looking over there at her, and I just pull out those cards. I made a covenant with mine, and I look like this, and I'm worshiping like this. I'm worshiping like this, you know. I want you to know, little bit by little bit by little bit by little bit, little by little bit, pow! One day I looked up. It's gone. I want you to know you got a pure pastor. I don't lust after your wives, after your children. Lust after porn and perversion. Come on, somebody. Why? Because I fought that battle. I fought that one. We went toe-to-toe on that one. I wrestled that one down, pending. Got some scars to prove it, too. Because that's a good battle. It's a good day to die. 
Klingon. <laughs> so apply the word of God. Number three, prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. So last week we were talking about the weapons, the defensive weapons, and then we, we stopped at verse 18 when we were talking about the full armor of God, Ephesians 6, 17, and 18. Talked about take the helmet of salvation, and then it said the sword of the Spirit, which is what we just talked about, the Word of God. And then verse 18, it says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So literally, the Bible here in, in, in that passage in Ephesians laid out, so first and foremost is the Word, and second of all, your second weapon is prayer. Prayer and fasting specifically is so powerful, so I'll put them together. And we see in Scripture all the time that Jesus would pull aside, He would pray, He would fast. Fasting does not make you holy, fasting makes you mad. You know why fasting does that? Because you're killing the flesh. So let's look at this passage of how fasting affected the demonic forces in the kingdom of darkness. So in Daniel chapter 10, if you'll turn there in verses 12 through 14. Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. I'll set the pace here, set the scene, excuse me. So Daniel is a prophet from the Lord for Israel. They've been conquered by Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel has this word from the Lord, but it doesn't make any sense. It's a promised word. It's a vision. He doesn't know what it means. He's frustrated about it, and it's as though the demonic forces are keeping the answer from, from coming to his mind and his understanding. And so as we, as we uh, read there in that chapter 10, what happens is an angel of the Lord appears to him. An angel of the Lord appears to him and wigs him out. I mean, literally, fear God grips him. If you ever wondered, did you see an angel or was it a demon? If it brought the fear of God on your life, it was an angel. If, it didn't fear, if you didn't fear it, it was a demon. Because everywhere in Scripture that angels approached, them, approached men on earth, they feared the Lord and fell on their face. So just set in precedence whatever experiences you've had. I saw an angel and he led me over here and he was so sweet. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. It might have been an angel of light. False angel. But it wasn't an angel from God. And so we pick up in verse 12. Sorry, just a little bit of help there for some of you. Sidetrack, but I'm bringing it back. In verse 12, the angel continues speaking to Daniel, and this is what he says. He says, and then he continued, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Now let me back up. Daniel sided. I don't know what the answer from God is, so I'm going to fast. And it actually lays out what he did. He said, I'm going I'm to disdain, for, I, I'm going to not uh, 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 participate in any choice foods. I'm not going to have steak. I'm not going to eat sushi. Come on, somebody. I'm, not, man, I'm killing this. What time we can get out of here? And uh, I'm not going to eat any choice food. I'll eat my little bread and water, but I'm not going to, normal good meals, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have any chocolate. Ooh, that's tough. I'm not going to, any choice meals, I'm not going to have any specially uh, lattes, cocomocos, whatever y'all drink. I'm not, I'm going to sustain, I, I'm not going to have any of it until God speaks to me. And so the angel shows up and he says, from the moment that you set your heart to gain understanding and to humble yourself from God, your words were heard. Here's the reason why many times your words never get heard and you never get the solution that you need because you never humble yourself and seek understanding. Daniel said, I'm so 
messed up by this. I don't understand why my kid is living like this. I raised him this way. I don't understand why this is happening at work. Then what you ought to do is what Daniel did and said, oh God, I don't care how long I've been saved. I don't care how, how, how much I've been used by you and what my name is and how many follow me on Twitter. I don't care how many sermons I preach or where I've been and how many devils I cast out. Oh God, I don't know what to do. So I will humble myself and I will seek your face until something happens. I won't eat. I won't drink. I'll do whatever it takes till some kind of solution breaks forth. And when you get this attitude and you come out of your complacency, the Bible says the angel of God was sent at the moment that he humbled himself and he set his face to have understanding. The moment that he said enough is enough. I'm not, I'm not going to be bullied like this anymore, devil. Enough is enough. And I'm going hum- to humble myself. I don't know what to do. Guys, the moment you and I come to that place, that's when something starts stirring. In the third heaven, the throne of God. And the angel says, I was sent to you at that moment. Keep reading with me. And I have come in response to the words that God sent me to give you. Verse 13. But the prince of the Persian kingdom. Now, this is not talking about the king of Persia. This is talking about a demonic presence, a authority in the spirit realm. So I was in the third heaven at the throne. You were in the first heaven, and I was sent to bring you a solution. I had to go through the second heaven, and I got held up. Keep reading with me. And I, I, but I, the prince of the kingdom of Persia resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief prince, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So let me explain to you spiritually what is transpiring here and what the angel is saying. He's like, God sent me. I have your answer. I've had your answer for 21 days. I was on my way. But the demonic force that reigns and rules over this area... That force of evil that is pushing and shoving and thinks that he still has ownership. He, and at that time he did because he wasn't, those demons weren't disarmed yet. Those those armaments were in place and I fought and I fought and I wasn't winning. I wasn't getting anywhere. I was detained and all of a sudden God the Father looked down and said enough is enough. That man right there keeps fasting. He keeps praying. He keeps seeking my face. Michael, go help your little angel out, buddy. And all of a sudden super angel comes up. Michael's like, wow, Go ahead, go ahead and deliver the message. I'll be in third heaven if you need me. And the answer comes, and he's standing there with the solution. I want you to understand something. If my kids were dying of a disease, I'd be fasting and praying. I would be looking for understanding from God. I'd stop being a whiny but as my grandma used to say. I'd stop being a sissy about the whole thing, and I would say, Lord, I'm going to humble myself because I don't know what's going on here. If my finances were in such a way that they were going to take my house away from me, let me tell you, come on, I'm trying to mature you. I'd get myself on my face. I'd humble myself. I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't drink. I'd do whatever it takes to break something loose until God spoke to me, until he sent an angel, until he gave me a revelation, or until somebody showed up and said, this is what I think you ought to do. And I'd get a hold of God, and God, let God defeat the enemies that are at work against your life. Now, man, some of you just keep plotting along. You don't have time to get a solution. Man, you can't afford not to get a solution. This old man, Joyce Meyer's daddy, could have had such a beautiful relationship with her the last 20 years. But he refused to humble himself. And so as a result, he only had a few months of right relationship with her. Oh, God salvaged it at the end. Listen to me. Don't you dare let the enemy steal another thing from you. Are you with me? Say yes. Yes. Start from a position. 
knowing who we are in Christ, position of authority and power, and walking therein? I said, no, no, sir, I'll not put up with it. No, sir, I know who I am in Christ. The second thing we do is we get in that word, we start applying it to the situation. Go apply it to the situation. You got difficulty in your physical body? Go study every scripture on healing and start applying it to yourself. You got a problem with kids that won't obey? Go study every scripture on raising children in the scriptures. Apply it. Don't just read it. Apply it. You got a difficulty with your intellect and you're struggling mentally and you're not grasping things anymore? Go find the scriptures on a right mind and, 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 a, and a quick intellect and begin to just study and apply it day in and day out. No, I will not. I will not lose my mind. I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to be a woman of God. No, sir. I'm going to be sharper than I ever was. I'm going to be sharper than I was when I was in college. You start applying that word over and over and over and over and over again until something breaks loose. Are you with me? Say yes. And then, friend, you need to, you and I, some of you already, God's been calling you to fast. Just in telling you stuff. And, and, and you don't have to be all religious about it. You don't have to, oh, bless God, I can, I can only do it this day and this moment and this time. No, you just need to get a word from the Lord and stick to it and hold to it. Daniel did not say, hey, I'm going to do 21 days, and then we're going to call it the Daniel fast. Dude, this is going big, bro. When I tweet this, baby, this is going to blow up on social media. Can you see the branding? Daniel fast. Yeah. Huh? I'm going to give a whole list of what they can and cannot eat. It's going to be amazing. I will be the man. They will support my ministry by the droves. That was never in any of these pieces of scripture. He just needed God to do something, so he just started fasting. I don't think he ever knew there was going to be 21 days. I think he just said, I need God, whatever it takes. And that, and that attitude and that heart and that, and that humility is what got God's attention. And God sent him an answer immediately. But there was a demonic force holding it up. And so we want to push those away. The last and final piece, and we're going, to, we're going to cover this next week, and that is the way you do warfare against the enemy is to do good. When we study Jesus on the planet, we do not see him going from demoniac to demoniac and finding demons in everyone and binding and loosing and all that. What we see him is doing good. Everywhere he went, he did good. Because I picture it like this. He was so busy starting fires that the enemy couldn't put him out fast enough. And when we come back next week, we're, we're going to learn about how God has given us the ability to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. God has given us gifts to words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, working of miracles. When you and I start activating those gifts and doing good like that, we're going to set the place on fire. The enemy won't have time. He'll be so frustrated, all the people you're, tra- you're seeing transform for the kingdom business, that he's going to be so frustrated, and you're going to find the victoriousness of the life that you were meant to live. That's what I want for you. I want you to close your, I want you to stand with me all across the room, sorry. I want you to stand up, put your Bibles, your notebooks down, stand up all across the room. If you don't mind bowing your head and closing your eyes for just a moment. I apologize for two things today. I went real long, which caused you to have a major traffic jam with our kids' ministry. And so, uh, so when you go back there to pick up your kids, would you love them for me extra special and say, Pastor repents and we'll do better in the future. Maybe. I want you to close your eyes with me for just a moment. This was a mature teaching. I came at it very passionately because I'm very passionate about you knowing who you are in Christ and you overcoming the real forces of evil. I'm frustrated about the carnality of thinking in the church to think that your problem is the, is the other worship leader who's not treating you right or the person sitting over there, you know, who, who stole your position or whatever or the, or the person who wasn't nice to you in the parking lot. That's all foolishness. Ephesians said, we wrestle not against them, but against principalities and powers. So it's my assignment to teach you, to train you, and to raise you up so that you can overcome. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to take a moment. Where have you been bullied by the enemy?
Whereas he put his karate chop and his suspended China pinch or Korean pinch, whatever. I tell you, it's just time to rise up, take a board to him. It's time to start fasting and praying. It's time, it's time to get a word and start applying it to your situation. It's time to understand who you are in Christ and step into your authority and your power. It's time to stop just going to church and start being the church. Come on now, these aren't just little sayings, this is truth. So I want you to take a moment. I want you to just repent if you've been passive. You haven't, you haven't engaged in it. You've not been wrestling one bit. You've been wrestling with yourself. You've been wrestling with your, your spouse. And you haven't wrestled with the enemy one bit. You haven't wrestled. You haven't told him to get off one bit. You've just been waiting and been mad at God for him not fixing all your problems. Listen, the moment I engaged the enemy a couple weeks ago with this, with this series, every bit of counterattack came at me. I was so excited because I remember that one old preacher saying, if you're not button heads with the devil, you must be walking beside him. So I thought, oh, come on now. We're doing this thing. We're making it happen. So as you just take a moment, I just want you to, uh, under your breath, just you and the Lord, just say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I've gotten so busy doing so many other things. I forgot that there is a real enemy trying to kill me, kill my family, destroy my children. I've been so frustrated. I've been so agitated. See, some of you have been having dreams that have been horror dreams. I tell you what, I wouldn't go to bed without telling the devil where he can jump off the couch at. I mean, I tell you right now, I'd go after him. And I would tell him what the Word of God says, and I'd apply that to every part of my dream life, every part of my, my, my imagination life. I wouldn't let my mind go crazy like that with the demonic forces pushing and shoving me. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, the church here is doing business with the Lord. But maybe you say, Pastor, I'm not really a part of the church. I've, I'm away from God. Maybe, maybe you've never been a Christian. I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. He died on a, on a cross for you to pay for our sins. I was a sinner. I'm still a sinner, but it's paid for now. He wants to liberate you from a life of sin and torment and to a destiny of hell, fire, and brimstone. He didn't want that for you. It wasn't created for you. Hell was not created for you. It was created for Satan and the fallen angels. And so today, I want to give you an opportunity to come to the Lord. Maybe you say, Pastor, I used to serve the Lord, but I've gone away from Him. I've gone away. You know, junk has happened. I just kind of got... Got away from God. I don't know. I feel separated, divorced from God. Listen, I want to bring you home today. I want to bring you back into a right relationship. If I'm speaking to you right now and the Lord is tugging at your heart saying, come back, come back to me. Or saying, come, let me be your savior for the first time. If that's God dealing with your heart and you sense it and you're ready to get right with the Lord with no one looking around, would you be honest and admit that by lifting your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to get right with the Lord. I need to be right with the Lord. I don't want to live like this anymore. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thanks for your honesty, brother. Thank you, ma'am. So sweet. You can put your hand back down. Make sure I see it. Just get it up and then you can put it down once I see it. There's already been three or four of you. Anybody else? Say, pray for me, Pastor. It's time to be right with the Lord. God bless you, man. God bless. Thank you, sir, for your honesty. Come on. Lord, I, maybe you say, you know, Lord, I don't know if you will accept me. You know, I've said this so many times. God bless you, brother. And I feel like I'm just, just repeating the same old problem. I, I, don't know, I don't know why it won't work. Listen, Jesus isn't mad at you. He loves you. And today, I want to give you a chance to come back to the Lord. Anyone else? You didn't get your hand lifted, but you're ready to come back to the Lord. Give about three seconds. Two, one. Amen. I saw your hands. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. About seven or eight of you. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance right where you stand. I'm not going to call you forward. In fact, I'm going to ask everybody in the audience to pray it out loud with you so you're not by yourself. And we're going to mean this with all of our heart. And the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he's the Christ, that he'll cleanse you, he'll forgive you of all unrighteousness. You'll be his. 
You say, wow, that sounds simple. I know, right? Because all the hard stuff he did on the cross. Yeah, that's what's crazy about this whole thing. We just accept what he did and become his, become best friends with him. That's the goal. So let me lead you in a prayer of repentance. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life. I refuse to live for myself anymore. I ask you to deliver me from all my sin, all of my desires that work against you. I ask you now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. And I declare, here and now, Jesus is my Lord. Come on, say it again. Jesus is my Lord. And I belong to you forever and ever. Amen. Bow your heads for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman in this room that lifted their hand. I pray right now they would sense the forgiveness of Jesus. They'd sense it. Lord, I pray right now they don't have to perform. They don't have to give money to the church. They don't have to say 400 Hail Marys and crawl on their knees. They just forgiveness right now. Just receive it. Father, I just speak it over them. They can sense it. They can sense that they're right. Lord, make them best, friend, make them best friends with you again, Lord, right here, right now. Or maybe for the first time where they can hear your voice and know that you love them. I'm going to close with this prayer. I love you so much. And some of you have been passive. You've been bullied by the enemy. Some of you quit on God because you, you sinned. And so you said, well, I'm a Christian. I've sinned. And so I, I guess, you know, I just got to take my licks. You know, some of you got that old school Pentecostal concepts or that old Church of Christ concept that I came out of. I got to get saved every week because, you know, I sin. Uh, God doesn't love me. He's mad at me until I get up there and quickly repent. Listen, that's not the God that we serve. The scriptures are very clear. They're very clear that his mercies are renewed every morning. We can wake up and say, Lord, I blew it yesterday and I ask you to forgive me. And he'll wash us clean and we don't have to keep living in that. But I want to teach you to go past that and hopefully today did that. That you now can become a warrior. That you can become a person who pushes back the gates of hell. And so as you stand there with me today, can we close out with a prayer like this? Say it with, say it with me like this. Say, Jesus. I'm yours. You are the king of glory. And I serve you and you alone. Now I say to the forces of darkness, to every demonic force coming against me and my family and my friends, I command you in Jesus' name to loose, to go, to let go and be done in Jesus' name. And I say to you, Jesus, as a surrendered being to the living God, where you want me to go, I'll go. What you want me to say, I'll say in Jesus' name.